You can just shout it out. Nobody's had a best day, huh? What's your best day ever that you can remember? Like, oh, that was a great day. Day you got married. You're a good man. You, that, there you go. Bonus, right? Day your kids were born. There you go. Anybody else, huh? Day I was saved. Amen. Anybody else? Got a good one. There you go. Amen. All these are great days, right? Can I tell you that here on earth, the best days are here to come? And I don't mean that during this time period. I'm saying there's coming a time where we're going to experience things on this earth like we've never experienced before in history. And it's going to be some wonderful years that we're going to get to spend with one another. And uh, so we're going to talk about that today. Um, last week we talked about the worst days that this earth will ever see in the history of time. And today we want to look at the best days. So uh, the worst days, can I just review real quick, was a, will be a period known as the tribulation. It's going to be a time of great distress. The second half of the seven years are going to be far worse than the first. It will be unequaled like any we have ever seen. But after those days are through, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see the return of our king. A thousand year period of his reign on the earth. And those are going to be really, really good days. And the Bible goes into great detail about them in Revelation 19 and 20. So if you have your Bibles, uh, go with me to the book of Revelation and I'm going to be, I'm going to be uh, reading several verses. I'll read some outside of, of, of uh, Revelation 19 and 20. But most of our text will be in Revelation 19 and 20. And so uh, we're going to look at what is known as millennium, the millennium reign. Last week we learned that the, for three and a half years the unholy trinity of the dragon, the antichrist, and the false prophet will have significant influence on the events of our world. They will deceive as many as they can, and they will persecute Christians and Jews and control the world's banking system. The terrible time will come to a conclusion in the ultimate battle scene at the end of time when the Euphrates River will dry up and an army of 200 million will march down the river and take up battle positions in the Valley of Armageddon in northern Israel. And these 200 million warriors will be flanked by all the armies of the earth. And just as it is about to begin, a trumpet will sound and it will all be over because Jesus, the Messiah, will return to earth and he will slay his enemies with the word of his mouth. Look at Revelation chapter 19, verse 11. It says, I saw heaven standing open and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he judges and wages war. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean, coming out of his mouth as a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh he has the name written King of Kings and Lord of Lords. 
Now skip down to verse 19. Then I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to wage war against the rider on the horse and his army. But the beast was captured and with it the false prophet who had performed the signs on its behalf. With these signs he had deluded those who had received the mark of the beast and worshipped its image. The two of them were thrown alive into the fiery lake of burning sulfur. The rest were killed with the sword coming out of the mouth of the rider on the horse and all the birds gorged themselves on their flesh. So there are two events that will happen and will be the greatest events ever to happen on earth. And those two events, one will be the the second coming of Jesus Christ and the second will be his millennial reign. Now we're going to look at each one of these. So the second coming of Jesus Christ, the first time Jesus came was when he was born of a virgin. And the second time that Jesus comes, and I'm not talking about the rapture, this is a different event. The rapture takes place before the tribulation. He will not actually touch foot on the ground. He will be in the heavens and he will call us out of here. The second coming is this part after the tribulation when he will touch foot on the ground right before his uh, millennial reign. So the first time was when he was born a virgin. The second time is when he's come riding on a white horse at the battle of Armageddon. And we read that in verse 11. I saw heaven standing open and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called faithful and true with justice. He judges and wages war. And this will not be like battles of the past. <laughs> uh, Jesus will speak and he will destroy the enemies like that. It's going to be one, I mean, this is, I mean, if you can, just imagine with me, you know, every time they have a battle or a war or something goes on, I remember, you know, in my most vivid memories, I remember the first Gulf War. I remember when it started, I remember watching those, you know, uh, missiles fired over there, and I remember watching it on TV, I was in the, I think I was 11th grade, I remember, I mean, I remember even that night, it was on a Wednesday night, I think, when it started, and, and we were in our youth service and they pulled a TV in and we were watching this, this happen before youth service, you know. And, uh, but I remember, and, and what do they are? They're always reporters on the ground, right? There are troops on the ground and they're coming. I can just imagine the Battle of Armageddon getting ready to happen. All these things have happened throughout the tribulation, the seven years of tribulation, chaos. I mean, all this stuff, earthquakes. I mean, just, I mean, just craziness that's, that's going to take place during that time and I could see a reporter out there with this battle getting ready for this battle to start and they're about to say the battle's about to ready it's about ready to start folks you know that you can tell the armies on both sides are getting ready what's going to become of this and all of a sudden I can just see them making some kind of announcement whoa what is coming out of the heavens and it's over you know I don't know if you can imagine that with me, but that's what it's going to be like because Jesus is the King of kings and Lord of lords, and he's going to come, and with one quick swoop, he's going to wipe out the enemies, and it's not going to be necessarily a battle, okay? It's going to be a one quick word from the mouth of God, and it's going to be over. Uh, Verse 15 that I read, coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. The Antichrist and the false prophet during Jesus' second coming, they're going to be thrown into the lake of fire. Last week I told you that the Antichrist is the beast from the sea 
and the false prophet is the beast from the land. The lake of fire, that's eternal hell. Right now, there's a temporary heaven where all the saints who've died are abiding, and there's a temporary hell called Hades. The permanent hell is called Guiana in Scripture. The Antichrist and false prophet will be the first ones to enter Guiana. And Guiana is a lake of fire that constantly burns without consuming. It's the eternal place of the absence of God. Think about this. You know, since God is all good and he's all loving and he's all joyful and he's all hopeful, when you remove those things, absolutely there is nothing but sorrow and pain and loneliness and regret. And so what happens? Think about this. If we were to take the light out of this room right now, what happens? It's darkness, right? I mean, that's because that's what light does. Light takes away darkness. And so it's completely dark. Also, what happens when there's no more beauty? When there's no more beauty in the world, there's only tragedy. And that's why God, and that's what God uh, has, that's why he's done everything that he can so much to redeem as many people as possible is he wants no one to experience his absence. He wants all of his children to be with him. Amen. But because he loved us enough to give us free will, he will not overpower our free will. Anyone who chooses to spend eternity without God will spend eternity without God and without all his accompanying attributes. So that's important that we make a decision and that we choose to serve God. We choose to follow him and live our life for him. Look at now go to Revelation chapter 20 and look at verses one and two. It says, and I saw an angel coming down out of heaven, having the key to the abyss and holding in his hand a great chain. He sees the dragon, that ancient serpent who is the devil or Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. So we've read about the abyss before in scriptures. In, in Luke chapter eight, uh, Jesus cast the demons out of a man on the sea of Galilee. Maybe you've heard the story of Legion. And they beg him not to send them into the abyss. Okay? Uh, theologians believe the abyss is a limitless pit where it feels like you are perpetually falling but never hit the ground. You ever had those dreams? You know what I'm talking about? Where you fall out, you're falling and you just seems like you're just forever falling. Can you imagine this pit that Satan's going to be thrown into? It's going to be a pit where he's just going to be perpetually falling and falling and falling. And it never stops. Revelation chapter 20 verse 3 says, He threw him into the abyss and locked and sealed it over him to keep him from deceiving the nations anymore until the thousand years were ended And after that, he must be set free for a short time. So this is what's going to happen when Jesus comes. Now let's look at the millennial reign, Christ 1,000 years on earth. And uh, Revelation chapter 20 verse 4 says, I saw thrones on which were seated those who had been given authority to judge. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony about Jesus and because of the word of God, they had not worshipped the beast or its image and had not received its mark or on their foreheads or their hands. They came to life 
and reigned with Christ a thousand years. So this thousand year reign of Christ is sometimes called the millennium, meaning a thousand years. And here are some characteristics of this millennial reign. It, first of all, it was predicted in the Old Testament. Isaiah 65 Verses 19 through 25 says, I will rejoice over Jerusalem and take delight in my people. The sound of weeping and of crying will be heard in it no more. Never again will there be in it an infant who lives but a few days or an old man who does not live out his years. The one who dies at a hundred will be thought a mere child. The one who fails to reach a hundred will be considered accursed. They will build houses and dwell in them. They will plant vineyards and eat their fruit. No longer will they build houses and others live in them or plant and others eat. For as the days of a tree, so will be the days of my people. My chosen ones will long enjoy the work of their hands. They will not labor in vain, nor will they bear children doomed to misfortune. For they will be a people blessed by the Lord, they and their descendants with them. Before they call, I will answer. While they are still speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb will feed together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox, and dust will be the serpent's food. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, says the Lord. So remember what I just read to you in Revelation chapter 20, verse 3, that Satan will be found and thrown into the abyss for a thousand years. Satan bound and thrown into the abyss. Uh, That's another thing that will happen during the millennial reign. Christ's reign uh, will be uh, shared uh, with his faithful followers from throughout the church age. Uh, That means that those people um, that uh, made it in the rapture, possibly the Old Testament followers of God, those who were killed for accepting Christ and remaining true to him during the tribulation. So there's going to be several people that will be part of that. There will be tribulation survivors uh, those born during, there will also be people born during the thousand years. Uh, Isaiah 65 verses 20 through 23 says, Never again will there be in it an infant who lives but a few days, or an old man who does not live out his years. The one who dies at a hundred will be thought a mere child. The one who fails to reach a hundred will be considered accursed. They will build houses and dwell in them. They will plant vineyards and eat their fruit uh and we you know they no longer will they build houses and others uh verse 23 says they'll not labor in vain nor will they bear children doomed to misfortune uh and so so that's that is also a sign that's also what will be happening in the millennial reign we will see um those survivors and those born uh there will be those born during the thousand years. Also, uh, those reigning with Christ will have a place of honor. Revelation chapter 20, verse 6 says, Blessed and holy are those who share in the first resurrection. The second death has no power over them, but they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him for a thousand years. Uh, another characteristic is Christ's reign will bring drastic changes affecting society. There will be peace, there will be safety, there will be prosperity and justice, uh, righteousness and knowledge of God throughout the earth. You won't have people that don't believe 
Everything during uh, the, the millennial reign will be, it'll be peace on earth. It will be like you've never seen before. Uh, everyone will worship um, God. Uh, it, it's going to be an amazing time. Micah chapter 4 verse 4 says, Everyone will sit under their own vine and under their own fig tree, and no one will make them afraid, for the Lord Almighty has spoken. Zechariah chapter 9 verse 10 says, I will take away the chariots from Ephraim and the war horses from Jerusalem, and the battle bow will be broken. He will proclaim peace to the nations. His rule will extend from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. Isaiah chapter 2 verse 2 through 4 says, In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as the highest of the mountains. It will be exalted above the hills, and all nations will stream to it. Many peoples will come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the temple of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways so that we may walk in his paths. The law will go out from Zion. The word of the Lord from Jerusalem, he will judge between the nations and will settle disputes for many peoples. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. It's going to be a time of peace. It's going to be a time of joy. It's going to be a time where you're talking about, you know, you hear people say, why can't we all just get along? Well, guess what? <laughs> We're going to all just get along, amen? And uh, we're going to worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords. It's going to be a glorious time. Uh, Another thing is nature will also be restored to its original order, perfection and beauty. Psalm chapter 96, verse 11 through 13 says, Let the heavens rejoice, let the earth be glad, let the sea resound, and all that is in it, that is all that is in it. Let the fields be jubilant. And everything in them, let all the trees of the forest sing for joy. Let all creation rejoice before the Lord, for he comes. He comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. Zechariah chapter 14 verse 8 says, On that day, living water will flow out from Jerusalem, half of it east to the Dead Sea and half of it west to the Mediterranean Sea in summer and in winter. Here's another thing. Nations will be privileged and grateful to follow Christ. (laughs) Amen? Uh, Everyone will follow Christ during this time. They will all know who God is. They will worship the Lord. Jesus will be the ruler over the earth. You're talking about a fantastic governor. We're going to have a fantastic governor on this earth during that time because Jesus will be the governor. Amen? Amen? There won't be separate nations. There won't be people that will be uh, um, uh, uh, ruling different parts. It will all be ruled by Jesus himself. However, even under these conditions and without Satan's influence, there is still a place of human nature that will still cause some to choose a path of rebellion and disobedience, which will lead to punishment. Look at Revelation chapter 20, verse 7 Uh, through 10 it says when the thousand years are over satan will be released from his prison and will go out to deceive the nations in the four corners of the earth gog and magog and to gather them for battle in number they are like the sand on the seashore they marched across the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of god's people the city he loves but fire came down 
from heaven and devoured them. And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur where the beast and the false prophet had been thrown. They'll be tormented day and night forever and ever. So understand this. You say, well, that's, that's after the millennial reign. You're right. But there are going to be people that will, that will actually follow Satan after the, at the end of the millennium because he says they will, he will deceive them. They will have had that human nature. Uh, they might, it might be people, do, I don't know all the details, but it might be people that were born, uh, either, either made it through the tribulation or were born uh, during uh, the millennial reign. Uh, but at the end, we know what is going to come. Uh, at the end of the reign, there will be what we know, what is known as the great white throne judgment. And Jesus Christ is the judge. This judgment includes all the spiritually lost, those who did not accept God's gracious forgiveness and salvation and live by faith in him. And is everyone who ever lived for all time. The lives of all who did not accept God's forgiveness, they did not entrust their lives to him, they're going to be completely exposed before God. Even selfish and defiant acts and ungodly thought will be called into account. Even those secret sins, which it deemed uh, no one knew about, will be brought to light and judged. Look at verses 11 and 12 of, of Revelation 20. It says, Then I saw a great white throne And him who was seated on it, the earth and the heavens fled from his presence, and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done, as recorded in the books. And then at the end, Jesus will turn the kingdom over to his Father, and this is going to take place At the end of the thousand-year reign of Jesus Christ, this will mark the end of time as we know it and the beginning of the final and eternal kingdom of God and the Lamb. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 24 says, Then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. And so next week... We're going to kind of wrap this all up. We're going to kind of conclude this. But I want you to understand this. This is something that we can look forward to. Amen? This is a time that we will, that that will be, you talking about some great times. And I know all of us can sit there and we can think about times that we've had in the past. And we can think about, you know, our wedding day and you can think about the time that you got saved and you can think about the time that that your children were born and and all these great moments in time you can think about. But it's not going to be anything comparable to that thousand years when we will be ruled by Jesus himself and we will be in his presence. Can you imagine just constantly being there, holy, 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 is the Lord God Almighty. You're going to walk around. You're going to live your life. You're, you know, uh, according to Scripture, you know, those of us that have, that have served him before the rapture and all, we're going, to, we're going to have places of leadership or, you know, whatever you want to call it. They're going to help rule with Christ. You know, it's going to be an interesting and it's going to be an awesome time. 
upon this earth. This will be the last days of this earth as we know it. Next week, we're going to talk about the new heavens and the new earth. There's going to be a new time. There's going to be a new creation that's going to come. And the new creation, that is the new heavens and the earth. And it's going to replace all the current earth. And it's going to become our eternal home. And let me give you, I want to give you a scripture here before we, uh, as we are coming to a close, we're starting to dismiss, starting to be over here. Let me give you a scripture this morning. And I want you to, I want you to take this scripture this morning. If you don't take anything else that I tell you this morning, because I know I've told you a lot of information. Some of this stuff you've probably heard, you've probably heard for years. But there's this one scripture that I, want you to, that I want you to understand. Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10. He says, Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. That's something that each of us can walk away with this morning. Amen. And we can know that God is by our side. Isn't that good? God is by our side. He's with us each and every step. He's walking with us each and every step. He's always with us. He's always right there. And we don't have to worry. We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to live in fear. All we have to know is that God is for us. And if God is for us, who can be against us? Amen? That's all we need to know. <clears throat> if we will continue to surrender our life and live our life and draw as close to him as we possibly can and become more of what he has for us and who he wants us to be, that's the important thing, amen? That we live our life pleasing to him according to what he wants. But my God is going to be with me each every step of the way. And let me just say this, if you've not given your life over to Jesus whether you're here in this sanctuary or you're at home, if you've not given your life over to Jesus, then I want you to know he wants to walk with you today. God's desire is that none of his children perish. How, think about it. How many times has he, if you ever read, if you, if you, you know, one thing I want us to do, I want, this, this coming uh, new year, January 1st, I've got a Bible reading calendar that's out there on the info center. And I want all of us to either read or listen to God's word the entire time this year. You can take it out. You can get one of those copies. But as you go through the Old Testament, you'll see how much God loved his people. Because how many times over and over, and this is before Jesus ever stepped foot on the earth and became that sacrifice. But how many times did God give his people chance after chance after chance after chance? I mean, you know what I'm talking about? I mean, there was so many chances that they had. And, and, and so, and after every time, God would send something some other way to, to help redeem them. You know, even you, you can look at it. What happened, you know, uh, Adam and Eve... They messed up in the garden. They got kicked out of the garden and their family and all their history. It got worse and worse and worse. Noah came. He had a flood. He destroyed everything. Started all over Noah. It was going great and going great. Oh, they want, you know, we're going to take you to this promised land that God had for them. We're going to give you this promised land. 
And then uh, uh, they, they move into the promised land. Uh, things are going great. They start fighting amongst each other. They say, hey, we need kings. We don't want to just have judges anymore. We want kings to rule over us. So they started getting kings, you know, to rule over them. And God said, fine, whatever. You know, the whole time. And then, and then it got all the way to where finally God had had enough. To get to the end of the Old Testament, God's had enough, and he don't speak to them for another 400 years. He's had enough. So what does he do? He says, all right. This is it. This is it. the final thing. This is all I know to do. I'm going to send my, sa- my, my son, Jesus, to come and be the Savior of the world. He's going to die on a cross and give everybody a chance. To, all they have to do is accept his death on the cross, accept who he is, and they can be uh, saved. And that's what it came down to. So he's given us chance after chance after chance. So we cannot say that God doesn't love us. We cannot say that God doesn't care for each and every one of us because he's given us more chances than we can count throughout history. He loves us, he cares for us, he wants the best for us. And the only way that we can live our life with him someday is that we accept him as our Lord and Savior and make him Lord of our life. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But God's going to walk with us each and every step. And if you've not given your life over to Jesus, then he wants to walk with you today and you just have to give him your heart today amen can we bow our heads i want to give everyone that's here and those that are at home an opportunity i want to give you an opportunity to ask jesus to be your lord and savior scripture says that if you confess with your mouth that jesus is lord And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that you'll be saved. That means every sin forgiven, washed away as if it never happened. Today you recognize that you need his grace, you need his forgiveness, you need change. It's not something that you earn, it's not something that any of us deserve, but it's freely given to you, it's a gift. And that's why you're here today, that's why you're watching today, and it's time to say yes today by faith, and give him your life. If this is you, and you need Jesus to come be the Lord of your life, then say this prayer after me. Can we all say this prayer together? Say, dear Jesus, I admit that I am a sinner. I confess that I need a Savior. Today I give my heart to you. Come into my life and make me clean. I want to serve you. I give my life to you. I am no longer my own, but I am yours. In Jesus' name, amen. If you said that prayer this morning, if you're watching at home and you said that prayer this morning, then I want you to know that your name has been written down in the Lamb's Book of Life, amen? And you are one of his children. And let me tell you something. He wants to help you to continue to walk this journey. It's not something that just happens today and then it's done. It's a journey, right? We're not in a sprint to the finish. We're in a marathon. We're, on a, we're in a journey. This is going to take, you know, as we grow, as we build, as we read God's word, as we pray, as we, as we talk. God has got some great plans for us. And he just wants us to be a part of it. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. 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 Let's pray for a moment all together. God, we just come here today. I thank you for everybody that's here. 
I pray that you would touch each and every person's heart today, God. I pray that this word that we spoke about, this gives us some encouragement.